Welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses and I'm delighted um, to have Callum back with me on the podcast this week and I've given him an extra 24 hours. Um, we normally record on a Monday night but we're doing this on Tuesday night so it's a quick turnaround for getting this episode out to you guys for him but he deserved an extra 24 hours because it's been a busy weekend of course. Callum, you recovered from your trip down to Newcastle yet? Um, I'm still like drained. I think um, I'm still very drained. But yesterday I was yeah on on the ropes a little bit. Uh, last night was absolutely knackered. So thank you very much for the little break, and uh, it's good to be back. And thank you very much to everyone who sort of left comments and well wishes as well uh, to myself. Uh, I'm glad to be back, and we've got a win to talk about. So that's you know that that's always positive and has lifted the spirits somewhat. So. Let's get stuck into it, I reckon, Glenn. Yeah, absolutely. A 1-0 win over the Livy Lions saw the Dons creep into the top six. And remember that feeling, being in the top six, keeping our faint European hopes alive, and I guess almost keeping the our own destiny in our own hands as well as we ground out a 1-0 win, what really felt like a back-to-basics um, victory and whisper it quietly, maybe shades of... Derek McInnes as well in the way we ground that win out. It wasn't pretty Callum, but let's be honest, could be a very important three points. Absolutely. I mean, interesting you said that. I was thinking <laughs> and I didn't want to bring it up, so I'm glad you did. It did feel a bit more like that, but when you are in this you know, period of uh, uncertainty as we are right now about what the hell's going on, and who's going to be in charge next, those kind of victories absolutely fine. And against Livingston side have been very good and had they come up here, got a result, even if it, it, we'd shared the spoils, they'd still been above us with a game in hand. So it, it was an absolute six-point and a must-win. And thank God we did what was needed. And what was a pretty terrible game, very terrible. I mean, goalkeepers barely had anything to do, but we did enough. And I'm, I'm just happy that we, we ground it out. It wasn't a classic, though. No, absolutely not. It's not one we're going to sell a DVD on anyway. And I think the point you make about the goalkeepers is is really fair as well. I feel we've really not seen what um, Jay Horter's got to offer um, f- from his time in Aberdeen as well. But I kind of disagree with Davy Martindale saying that the game should have been a nil-nil. Um, it was just one lapse in kind of concentration from them that, that cost them. I think had it been a nil-nil I would have felt really aggrieved because I felt we created the better chances over the 90 minutes. Um, I know Livingston had obviously the shot off the line and and the block from Anderson, which we'll come on to later on. But I thought we were the team looking to win the game more than Livingston. But I think given probably their position and the fact they had a game in hand, they would have absolutely bit your hand off for a point pre-match as well. Yeah, I think they would have. And, you know, they came up and played the way Everyone sort of expected them to do um, make it difficult for us and try and hit us in the break if, when they can through the outlets of like like Nubly, who I thought, although end product wasn't quite there on another day, could have easily scored. Um, obviously mm-hmm. with the with the clearance off the line you you mentioned there, um, I, I think deserved win. However, had it finished nil nil, I probably you, you, I probably couldn't have complained all that much because it was so stuffy and in terms of yeah. you know clear cut chances. We had a, a Boyan's one and then a, a few other attempts from sort of outside the area. Other than that, uh, I mean, uh, Shamal George had basically nothing to do other than pick the ball out of his net. But it's games like that. If we are going to finish, uh, first of all, in the top six and then hopefully qualify for Europe uh, come the end of the season, 
you need to grind grind out those kind of results and uh, against a decent li- Livingston side as well. Yeah, I guess, like I said, it could be one that come the end of the season we look back on and say, well, that was maybe the turning point that we needed, that bit of, it kick-started any momentum, of course, after on the back of that defeat to Celtic. But there was a couple of changes from that team that that lined up against Celtic at Parkhead. Uh, Johnny Hayes dropping out alongside Matty Kennedy, Ryan Duncan getting his second league start for the Dons, and Ross McCorey after his two-game suspension coming in to replace... Um, <coughs> Matty Kennedy at right back, Liam Scales continued to miss out because of course he couldn't serve a suspension against Celtic being ineligible so that carried over for the game at the weekend I was really interested to see Ryan Duncan handed a start, not disappointed by any means Um, kind of excited to see what he can do and I don't think he can be too disappointed with his afternoon's work Absolutely not Um, a very difficult game for a player like him I, I think, you know, it was what well, we you know, dominated the, the ball, but it was a hardly free flowing attacking football, which he would probably thrive in. However, obviously, it came up um, with well, obviously not a direct assist. However, mm. I, I played a big part in our goal. Um, I, I don't think he he, he can he can um, or anyone can really complain about his performance and you know at, at his age as well. It is uh, it's positive to see him coming into the team. And not really looking out of place at such a young age as well. Uh, so you would like to think only things are going to get better for for Ryan Duncan now. And after his first start at Pataudry, I'm sure he's buzzing with the contribution he, he he had in the game as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said, his the fact that he had an involvement in the goal as well would be a huge confidence boost to him as well. I did have to take a double think when Willie Miller said on Sports Sound that um, Ryan Duncan swung the ball in for Mayovsky to uh, put into the back of the net and I was thinking did he? Like I thought it was a scramble in the box that he finished from so when I saw it on Sports scene, I was like okay, okay uh, whatever Willie Miller's drinking I'll have some of that and it, on Ross McCrory though coming in I, I spoke in the, the preview show about where whether or not Ross McCrory would feature at that point I didn't realise that Liam Scales suspension carried over so I had Liam Scales coming back into the side potentially and kind of debated whether or not Ross McCrory would miss out in terms of the starting 11 he didn't and to be honest I think he's potentially given Barry Robson a headache at right uh, right back because I think he was certainly up there for a contender for a man of the match um, on Saturday I think so. It probably could have been uh, three of the four, uh, uh, of, of the back four, and that's still probably been harsh on Mackenzie, who didn't really do too much wrong either. Um, in terms of a headache for me, he, right now he probably just starts there all the time when available. Um, I, I think I'm still probably not convinced it's his best position, but given you know we've got Ramadani, Shinny and Clarkson uh, in the middle of the park, and obviously Barron will come back from his groin injury as well at some point. I think I think he suits it in terms of his physicality and uh, the, the driving runs uh, he he can he can get involved with. And uh, had it not been for a bit of a dodgy second touch, perhaps he, he himself might have grabbed a goal uh, yeah. as well. So encouraging. Glad to see him staying on the pitch past seven minutes as well. So <laughs> um, you'd like to think he, he'll probably stay there for the foreseeable and we won't I have to have Matty Kennedy at right back. And I mean, Jaden Richardson, uh, not existent basically at this point, isn't he? Yeah, really is, which um, says a lot um, for the money we spent on him as well. But 
you know, speaking of the the back four as well, before we kind of go on to the start of the game, I just want to touch on it now. And the fact that <laughs> to go back onto what Jim Goodwin says, you know, the defense was the easy part to fix. Barry Robson maybe has landed on his feet a little bit with the fact that we seem to be Celtic game aside that little bit tighter in defense, that bit harder to break down. As I said, maybe going back to the basics that that we really need. Um, in terms to keep teams out. And I, I think I just wonder if he has now maybe got that settled back for him. Do you see Liam Scales coming back into the side? If he does, I'd prefer it to be at left back, to be honest. And I wouldn't complain too much about that. Um, you know, we saw it at times. He is a decent enough football player, a centre-back, however, probably not. Um, and I could certainly, I would certainly be happy to see him coming at left back, however, probably harsh. On, on Jack McKenzie uh, to yeah. drop him out the side. I just hope, well, he, he won't be, unless McDonald's or, or Pollock get injured or suspended, he won't be playing centre-back, you'd like to think, unless potentially in a three, which again, I, I'd probably rather see us stick with that flat four uh, mm. as, as things are. But if he comes in at left-back, that's okay. Um, but then again, you've got Coulson and, and Hayes potentially as well competing. So four players for the same spot, uh, is interesting. They were spoilt for choices at left back. It feels like the Scotland, Scotland national team where we're spoilt in one defensive position. Um, but uh, interesting that you're choosing a Celtic loanee over a local lad. We know how much you back the local lads because they know what it means. I do love local lads. And you know what? In terms of uh, progressing to next season, then you probably would be better off giving um, McKenzie the shirt. However, right now, I don't know if he is a better player. And well, we need as much points as we po- can possibly get, to be honest. Uh, he seems a bit, little bit less of a liability in terms of uh, selling the shirts, however. Mm, fair, I'll give you that. Uh, let's get on to the game then. The opening period, to use a word you've already used in the episode, was stuffy, I think, to say the least. Uh, I felt we were relatively creative without, as you say, threatening um, the goalkeeper. I think that's can same can be said for Livingston, as both sides really tried to cancel each other out in a game that probably both sides were scared to lose. Um, I think it's fair to say. I think we knew Livy would come up here and be tough to break down, and we were doing our best to do so. Um, I can't really remember too many clear-cut opportunities. I think Obelai was dealing with anything in the air that we were throwing at them. And the only really opportunity that I can remember in the opening exchanges um, for Livingston was a decent effort that Bruce Anderson had goal-bound. Um, I'm not actually sure who blocks it. I think it might have been Graham Shinney um, who threw his body uh, in front of the shot. It was certainly goal-bound whether or not it was going to end up on target or not. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll never know, but... That was kind of really the only clear-cut opening. But I guess, Calm, as we said, given what was on the line for both sides, it, the opening period really went as expected, I think. I think so. It's hard, hardly surprising. You know, likewise with uh, Obelai heading absolutely everything we threw at him away. My Pollock and McDonald are probably doing the same, uh, yeah. vice versa with them. I mean, there was a few times um, Nublay got on the ball and looked, looked pretty tricky. Uh, at times, but it, I mean, it was an absolutely awful, god awful game, really, wasn't it? It took a little bit of class from Boya Miofsky uh, for, for there to actually be a goal in the game. And had it not been for that, I can't see it, couldn't see it happen after about half an hour. I thought, 
fucking hell, this is going to be nil nil. Uh, it was it was dire. It was dire, but it's exactly what you expect when Livingston come up here. And given the fact, well, given how terrible we've been throughout the season, the fact we actually managed to break them down at all, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. We'll take the victory. We'll take the three points. And uh, it, it pushes us into the top six. So... Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter how it comes about. Yeah. It's the fact that it's come about that is the most important thing for us, especially with how things have been going um, recently. And maybe we just needed that bit of luck that that's not been going our way uh, recently. And scoring right on half time was was huge. I think because it lifted the crowd. Um, because I would have just wondered what that atmosphere would have been like going in nil nil. Probably thinking, oh, here we go again. You know, at, at that point as well, <clears throat> I think St Mirren and St Johnson were still drawing. So, you know, it was an opportunity for us to really take advantage of the teams around us not picking up significant points. And the goal came about from a good cross in from Ryan Duncan, as we we discussed already. And probably the first thing that Obelai got wrong off opening half, where he just missed times his header and almost inadvertently heads it into the path of Bojan Miofsky. And I think there was another poor bit of defending. Um, the Livingston defender just switches off. But for maybe from a Talk Livy point of view, they will be a bit disappointed at the defending. I think we've got to talk up the instinctiveness of Bojan Miofsky mm-hmm. to make that bit of movement away from the defender, creating that space. And I don't think I appreciate it again until watching back on sports scene. The fact that it was a first time finish on the volley into the roof of the net as well mm. um, to send the, the home crowd wild. 15th league goal of the season for Boyan. Can he get 20 goals this season in the league? I certainly hope so because that'll go a long way in helping us uh, achieve our goals. You'd like to think so. I mean, with the, with the games we've got going and you know he gets a bit streaky at times. He can go on a little run and hopefully... <laughs> that will continue uh, come come Saturday at Tanadice. That would be ideal, especially after the drubbing they gave us down there. But in terms of the goal itself, I'll, I'll, I'll be fair to Obelai. He did have Matty Pollock to contend with. And that's probably one man on the, well, definitely the one man on the park. You wouldn't want uh, challenging for the ball with you. And I remember thinking, oh, could be a penalty. And then Boyan's rifled it in with his right foot as well. Uh, yeah. It was almost unheard of. A fantastic finish and definitely needed going into into the half because had it gone on sort of five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the second half, still nil-nil, uh, we just got more and more cagey and the nervous energy would have come from the crowd and the players would have been able to feel it and who knows what would have happened. But came at the perfect time and excellent finish from Boyan. Uh, so plenty more of that between now and the end of the season would be more than welcome and uh, Basique Dash can shove their 1.8 million pounds or euros offer or whatever it was. Uh, wouldn't even buy his right leg at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, as you said, um, weaker foot, 17th goal of the season in all competitions as well. More of that, um, of course, more of that does attract interest. Um, as you said, Besiktas. Now, I don't know, I didn't actually read the article to find out um, whether or not that was in January that they made that offer or if it's quite recently. But um, if the, the talk coming out of Turkey is to believe that Besiktas made a 1.8 million offer for Boyamiovsky, but the club rejected that because it was too low. But also this week, interest or certainly on the radar of Premier League club, 
Southampton is the Macedonian striker, although Premier League club for how much longer remains to be seen for the Saints. But I suppose, Callum, if he's going to produce finishes like that and continue to bang in the goals, he will um, gain interest. But one thing I hope he stops doing is flinging himself to the ground every five minutes when he has the faintest bit of contact. You can tell he's played in Eastern Europe because that is the sort of kind of actions you see um, the faintest bit of contact, you know, I, I brought it up on, on Twitter as well for all, all the flinging himself to the ground he did. We saw the good and the bad of Boyan Miofsky, I suppose, if you want to categorise it like that um, in that first half. Absolutely, but I'm only caring about the good at this point because he scored. Because he scored. Had he not, then I would have been livid probably. But um, at the same time, you know, how many times have, you know, British teams, Scottish teams especially played in Europe and playing teams on the continent who know these dirty tricks. So it's good that he knows the dirty tricks for when we're making our assault on, on Europe next season. So might not get it in Scotland, but we'll get it in the Euro, UEFA Europa Conference League group stages. So that'll be fine. You can tell you've had a few weeks out of the podcast. Yes. Um, but I suppose, well, it depends if you'll be here for that assault on Europe, if the interest is going to keep coming. Because if the money's right, I'm sure there'll be those at the club tempted to accept that offers. Yeah, it'll be. I think it'll be a miracle if Boyan and Duke are both here. Uh, well, certainly come this point next season. If they're here this time, if they're here next season at all, then I'll probably be quite surprised. But you would like, I would like him to, you know, maybe do a couple of seasons here. That might be able to, you know, boost his transfer value. In fact, it's not a one season wonder. Um, mm-hmm. As well, we might be able to get a bit more out of him. And obviously, we're just a better team with uh, with him starting. So, yeah. Speaking of Duke as well, I mean, he looked a player on one at the weekend some of that skill that he was producing at the weekend the one of course that's kind of gone a bit viral when he uh, wins the ball in front of the tunnel on the main stand side the way the way he of course he wins that ball back before driving forward taking the team on that attack I mean he's just gonna gain more and more admirers and I, I think along like you said along with Boyan we've really got to enjoy both of them whilst they're here because if they keep continuing on this trajectory, they're not going to be here for a long time. No, but I suppose that's the probably that's the point of bringing them in because yeah. you know it gives them them a platform. We gain the benefit of having them here, and then hopefully make profit, and then be able to reinvest that. Uh, you'd like to think we make profit, hopefully lots of it. Yeah. But it was excellent. And the fact he nearly got in the end of the ball, uh, I think in from Ramadani as well after that bit of skill, the lung busting run. You don't see that going the other way usually. Um, in terms of getting back into the defensive work, um, it may be harsh, but he's he no, but he can afford that when he busts oh, it up yeah. to he's a, get on a, the end of a hoof ball up the pitch. Absolute maverick, an absolute maverick, and I love it. And um, the, the work he does for us, although he may have the goal scoring touches, boy, and obviously he's not playing as out and out on number nine, but the work he does for us as well, and um, especially getting out of you know tight situations like that and uh, and for the counter attack. It's it's absolutely it's almost unrivaled. I'd say unrivaled actually. I do think Boyan's work rate has certainly improved under Barry Robson because that's yeah. something I was critical of him under Jim Goodwin. And and whether or not that's because of the standards that Barry Robson implements in training and on on match day, and whether players are running a bit scared of him and don't want to get on the wrong side of him. Um, I think yeah, you've got to acknowledge that the work rate certainly improved because yeah, I was definitely critical of that. Um, a few weeks ago. Absolutely. I mean, Robson said it, uh, I think it must have been after the Motherwell game himself. 
they wanted he wanted more out of him, and in terms of his uh, direct drawn diagonal runs, um, the, the movement sort of in, in behind the defence and between the lines, uh, he complimented complimented himself, and and you can certainly see that. And uh, you know he, he, the fruits of his labour, grabbing another goal and getting us three points. So and in front of the red shed as well. So I'm sure he enjoyed that. Yeah, I'm sure he enjoyed that, and all the players seem to enjoy that in the red shed. And although I suppose on the red shed as well, the the pyro came out of the red shed. And I mean, look, I've got nothing against pyro at, at football, but it just really annoys me that the momentum that is being killed from us scoring, um, I think also down to the fact that it takes the stewards about ten hours to remove the pyro from the yeah. pitch. Um, I mean. Please, can we just not put it on the pitch? Just somehow get it on the track if you're going to let it off or keep it in the stands. I know the club will probably be like, why are you admitting you want Pyro let off in the stadium? But um, look, it's killing any momentum that we've got in games, especially, you know, sometimes if we're chasing a game and we get an equaliser, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. And I know there was a few problems going on in the red shed at the weekend as well with the, the ultras Aberdeen section refusing to to sing uh, after um, a few disagreements with the stewards as well. So hopefully any issues that they've had can get sorted out um, with the club, obviously with Alan Burrows coming in, but you know, that's maybe one negative of that section, but of course one positive is of course they're looking to um, organize a display for the Gothenburg homecoming coming game and um, coming up uh, in May of course and um, you can find um, information on how to donate to that and we'll retweet that on our, our Twitter page at RTG underscore podcast and I'm sure if you're watching the video on um, YouTube Calm will leave the uh, donation link in the description below I'll try to remember but yeah uh, my on that point my issue was the fact uh Shamal George was happy to just kick it off the pitch mm-hmm. and then the referee's going, no, 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 and it's just taking ages. Uh, although I did enjoy the smell of the pyro. I think it smells good. So, <laughs> I Just like the fact that um, the stewards have to like dress like those folk from Monsters, Inc. dealing with when the child touches the monsters, like proper like mask on, gloves, pretty much going into a full-on boiler suit if they could. It's just, just crazy. I know, especially since... If something's to go wrong, Shamal George is already from a distance where he's going to get hurt. So yeah. he's happy to go over and kick it. I mean, it's not going to make, the, make that much of a difference between, you know, five yards and, you know, kicking it off the park and getting rid of it. But, I mean, Scottish football and, um, you know... Health and safety gone mad. Well, oh, Jesus, you sound old. <laughs> um, second half. Um, I mean, I guess once we go into the, the game... Uh, sorry, halftime 1-0 up. The second half is really all about protecting that lead, potentially building on it. I mean, certainly under Goodwin, we'd have looked to build on it. Um, But obviously under Barry Robson's stewardship, it seems to be a case of protect what we have. And if we get the opportunity to build on it, then look to take it. But there was some nervy moments Mm -hmm. in that that second half. Angus McDonald, though, fear not. Um, named in the SBFL team of the week for his heroics in defence, goal line clearance from Joel Nublay, and a brilliant block to deny Bruce Anderson, who wanted all the time in the world to pick his spot, um, allowing uh, Goose to get back and make the block. And I did really appreciate that cheer fist pump into the, the direction of the red shed as well. I guess on Angus McDonald, 
a probably a signing of who the fuck is that guy? We're all thinking, why the fuck did we not sign him sooner? And what if we had him sooner? I know. Um, had we had the defensive pairing of Pollock and McDonald throughout the whole season, we probably wouldn't be the pickle we are in just now. They are very much defenders first, no nonsense type. And to be honest, between the two of them, they would have been my man of the match. Probably McDonald edging it because of those two incidents um, uh, uh, that you mentioned. Absolutely brilliant. And the fact he's only, well, I presume it's until the end of the season because it was a short-term mm. permanent deal. Yeah. If he carries on the way he's going, you know, put the contract in front of the table, we'll let him write whatever he wants on it and <laughs> sign the thing. That's what I'd be saying. Yeah. And I think... I. I do agree with that point. They are no-nonsense defenders, and I think I compared them to kind of Mark Reynolds. That's the no-nonsense defender that I remember, um, where it was just, instead of playing that pass out, just boot it into Rose Z. Russell Anderson, again, another defender from our time that was very much of that that ilk as well. And I didn't think that's why I posed the question as well about does Liam Scales get back into this defence? Because I, I don't see... The, the point or why we would look to be breaking up the partnership as Free N Wakali was calling them Goose and Maverick of uh, McDonald and Pollock. Did enjoy that to be fair. Um, but yeah, it would have to be a left back for me, as I mentioned, because those two are just, well, they're, they're pretty dominant. And, you know, against Livingston, which they are a very, very physical side, they make things very difficult for you. And they absolutely strolled it. Uh, and you know the awareness of McDonald to get to get to the far post and head that one off the line. Uh, just don't split these two up and um, hopefully keep them around next season. To be honest, uh, you know whether it's another loan for Pollock and extending that contract for McDonald, I'd be all for it at this rate. Being a little bit wary that it could all still go tits up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so much cautious optimism around the club mm-hmm. just now. But I mean, how did you how did you feel through that second half? Because normally in games that have that fine balance of a one 0 lead, you know, you're maybe a bit nervous. The nervous energy creeps in. But I never really got the sense of that. You know, even mm-hmm. in the stands, I never felt there was, you know, people really feeling nervous that we were in danger of conceding at at any real point. I I don't know if maybe the similar was there in the South stand. Um, Towards, when it got to about the last 10 minutes, certainly the last five minutes anyway, and then there's four minutes added on, I was shaking. I'm shaking. (laughs) Uh, I was not happy. Um, However, I just thought throughout the whole, the second half, just get a second goal, ease the nerves. However, you know, Livingston didn't threaten all that much other than, you know, McDonald heading off the line and uh, and the yeah. walk on Anderson. Um, I was a, I was more comfortable than I thought I would be, but just with it being Aberdeen and knowing, you know, what sort of shenanigans they like to get up to, I would have very much liked a second or maybe even third goal just to ease the nerves a bit. But uh, I, I think the release uh, at, at the end of the game with Ramadani's uh, no-nonsense slide tackle that booted the ball basically into the south stand and the roar that went up after that I think before the whistle had even gone yeah. full time that basically summed everything up and uh, I was all for it Ramadani went absolutely mental too as he tends to yeah and I, I think on that as well that just kind of shows the the passion and the importance of that victory to not only the fans but the players because as you said the, the roar that went up around that slide tackle it was obviously like seconds before the final whistle so maybe a pre-roar to the the victory being confirmed but just summed up that 
the fans were on board with what the players were showing because I think you know there was a I can't remember if it was Ross McCrory that got to the edge of the box and he had a shot I can't remember who it was and there was somebody at centre back going absolutely apoplectic that he didn't just run it into the corner and um, I apologise to Ross McCrory if it wasn't him that that took on the shot but. I, I remember as well thinking, what the fuck are we doing? Why are we not yeah. just running that into the corner, just killing the time? Um, maybe showing a, a slight bit of naivety, but um, of course, that, that Ramadani tackle, to go back to that point, um, also kind of the second half, you know, maybe not much goal mouth entertainment, but Andrew Shinney versus Graham Shinney brilliant. seemed to provide most of the entertainment of the second half. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely twatted his old brother. I was all for it. I probably had it not been uh, some shinny on shinny action. You know, the Livingston player might have been a little bit more upset with with the scenario, but uh, I was absolutely all for that. No holds barred, and then uh, Graham Shinny getting involved. I think giving it to Nicky Devlin as well. Not really sure what it was all about. No, <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, I no idea of what Nicky Devlin did to noise up Graham Shinny, but big fan of him cupping his ears um, in response. And again, whether or not. He was doing that for his own benefit to G himself up, whether he was doing that for his teammates' benefit to say, look, I'm not going to be intimidated by it. As of course, we don't know what happened, what was said. Doing it to get a bit of oomph into the team or even just lift the fans because mm. the second half was, by and large, pretty flat. And of course, with the ultras being as quiet as they were on Saturday, there wasn't as much atmosphere that we've seen up yeah. Tawdry in, in recent weeks as well. So, you know... Going on, Graham Shinney, you know, that that passion, you know, I get that some people are going to say, well, the passion doesn't necessarily make a good player, but we've got someone in there, in that centre, the, the team there that does get it mm-hmm. and can G up the players. But of course, there are going to be people, rightly, of course, that will hold on to the fact that he was anonymous in the games against Hibs, Hearts, Celtic recently as well. Of course, painful defeats. Um, that that still you know black mark this season so far. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, that's absolutely fair enough. I suppose there is only so much that one man can do, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and you know, for all the reasons you listed there, I think it probably worked on all fronts. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, and also it was just fucking hilarious. <laughs> to, yeah. to be fair, uh, it seems to be very excessive. The one real, my one real concern at the time, despite the fact I loved it, was like, oh, if this, if we cock this up, this is going to end very badly for him in particular. Uh, yeah, I, don't know, well, I enjoyed it. It's what you want to see—a little bit of absolute piggery from us for once. Uh, yeah, and Robson seems to be getting it, getting that out of us a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you're right, but of course, the fact that we won the game means we can revel in it. If we we didn't, I'm sure we wouldn't be reveling in it as much. But yeah, we always speak about looking at teams. I always like. I always pick on Ian Black at the time. I remember when this came about from from Hearts. We always wanted a pricks prick in, in our team, and whether or not that's Graham Shinney or whether that's not that's coming from Barry Robson, we're getting that bit of being pricks on the pitch. We need that bit of fight. Stop being this nice soft touch. You know, I know you picked up on the fact that against Celtic we were soft as shite. Didn't pick up a booking. Didn't have a shot on target. Well, if we're gonna go down in defeat. Let's leave something on somebody. Let's show that you actually do care. Let's show that you do have that bit of fight. And if we're going to do it in victory as well, I'm all for it as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, do Anthony Stewart's type stuff in the semi-final, but <laughs> just, you know, make a bit of effort. I mean, if if we're not getting anywhere near them, when you do, make sure you leave something on them, let, you know, let them know they're still in a game regardless. And uh, but no, thoroughly enjoyed that against uh, against Livingston, and hopefully more of that, um, because we need to become horrible, horrible so and sos. And I know you know I've hated Hearts for it previously and things like that. Sometimes that's what you need to do, and if it works and it's getting your results, then who cares? Yeah. At the end of the day, if we're going to start moving up the table, and that's what we need to do. Yeah, I'm absolutely okay with it. When you've got Matty Pollock at centre back, the absolute. Uh, brick shit house. There he is. Then uh, you know you've got a decent chance. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, off the pitch, uh, Alan Burrows started his new role as Aberdeen CEO on Monday. Um, for those of you that have or are watching this episode on YouTube, may or may not have already checked out the PLZ Soccer interview with the CEO Alan Burrows. Now, I don't normally like. Um, advocating West Coast media nonsense such as PLZ Soccer. But the in- interview itself with Alan is actually a really fascinating interview. An hour long goes into about a bit of his personal life, which I think he speaks very well on. Um, obviously, his time at Motherwell. And then, of course, what his hopes are for Aberdeen and why Aberdeen seemed to be the right club for him. And Calm, I know you watched this before we we recorded um, the episode tonight. And Obviously, we, I haven't had a chance to catch up with you on the podcast about what your thoughts are on Alan's appointment. Um, so first of all, what did you make of the interview? And then um, what are your hopes for him during his time at Aberdeen? Uh, I really enjoyed the interview. I thought he became across very well. I did only skip it till the end because I was rushed for time before this. Um, I, I did catch a little bit of, you know, his, uh, it was the quick fair questions and he seemed to come across very likeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, those, and I think he has done for the most part, you know, throughout his time at Motherwell, the work he's done in terms of, um, like, you know, of course, Motherwell are a fantastic team, but what it means to the community uh, and the work he's done in that aspect, I think it's been brilliant. Um, social media as well, the work they've done on that, brilliant. And he also mentioned a lot about sort of, Scottish will be able needing to sell itself more, mm. sell the brand more, because it might not be the best quality. Let's be honest, yeah. but it is brilliant at times, absolutely brilliant. I don't think they 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 could they could lean into that anyway. And he mentioned there's some sort of big news coming up. I'm excited to see uh, what what that will be. Not re- not necessarily relevant to Aberdeen mm-hmm. individually, but for Scottish football as a whole. And um, but no, I thought he came across very well for. Uh, throughout the interview and for what I hope basically what he said in the interview uh, I'll you know obviously go back and watch it but to summarise he he basically said uh, there's this sort of view that Aberdeen fans think they should be still like at the very top end of football like they were in the 80s mm-hmm. and that's you know usually more often than not not the case and in fact that Aberdeen fans basically would like a team at, at the top end of Scottish football challenging for trophies and winning the odd one. And yeah. I think that's the case. And he said he would like to, he he wants that to be the case throughout his time at Aberdeen. If that was to be the case, I'd be absolutely delighted uh, as well as improving things. You know, obviously they do, do some great work in the community. I think it could become a bit more of a community-based club. And if they lean into that, that could bring benefits 
uh, not only for the city but for the club itself. Uh, I'd like to see him do that. Obviously, probably on a bigger scale than had been the case at Motherwell, um, mm-hmm. given you know the population and things like that. But all round, um, I'm very happy with the appointment, and it'll be interesting to see who his well, not necessarily his first appointment um, is, but you know the candidates the. And whittle it down to, and the board's final decision uh, with the first point appointment with Alan Burrows as CEO, and hopefully it's not too far away. But as long as it's the right man, I'm not bothered how 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 long it'll be. <clears throat> yeah, and I suppose to pick up on the points you made is that the the comment that he referred to around about you know the thing that gets directed at Aberdeen's Aberdeen fans the most is the fact that we're supposedly live in the 80s we expect to have a team like we did in the 80s and I really liked his response to that that question about the fact that why why shouldn't we have that mentality like we mm. should have a team that we can be proud of mm. uh, and obviously went on to say the kind of points that you did about we should be competing at the top end of Scottish football getting to finals and winning the odd final as well and you know just listening to him was the first time I kind of got that buzz back about Aberdeen Um, because obviously in recent weeks you know things haven't been going great on the pitch but to hear somebody off the pitch speaking in that manner Mm. let's not forget this is somebody that's a Motherwell fan Mm -hmm. uh, someone that's been working at Motherwell but someone that understands what this club is Mm -hmm. you know I always we always joke with the folk that um, you know support the old firm at work that as soon as they sign a player they you know they'll say the usual um, token phrases that will get the fans driving in, into a frenzy, you know, having no idea what it means. And yes, you could say that Alan Burrows has produced a couple of good sound clips that will get Aberdeen fans G'd up. But I think if you look at his track record of what he's done at Motherwell, um, then there's a lot to believe that he will back up with what he speaks as well. Um, I know maybe some people maybe have doubts around managerial appointments if you're a Motherwell fan and um, my one concern of what he did say about the managerial um, appointment was the fact that both Willie Garner uh, and Stephen Gunn have done a lot of work to identify potential candidates. And of course, we know how well Stephen Gunn's track record of going on to appoint managers has been recently. Um, but of course, again, I really liked the way he spoke about that. The fact that those two have done the work is that he is going to go through the list uh, and veto them and check that they match the standard of Aberdeen. And he said, of course, it is going to be a board's decision mm-hmm. in appointing a new manager. It's not just a, this is who we want as next manager, appoint it. It has to be a unanimously agreed decision. So I just think he spoke really well about the club. As I said, for someone that's been on the outside of the club um, for so long, seems to understand what we as fans want um, and, and obviously has spoken well with Dave Cormack um, about the club at, just as well as understanding of Scottish football as a whole, like you said, the way he understands in terms of marketing Scottish football, I just I do like him as as a guy for for that as well. And the fact I think he brought the fact that without the old firm, Scotland would still be the third most attended league in Europe by um, percentage just, of population or whatever. Yeah, yeah, just shows how how much there is still there in Scottish football to to yeah. grow and uh, attract as well. So, yeah, if you haven't checked that out, um, it's on the PLZ Soccer YouTube channel. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's on audio, if they do audio, who knows. Um, but, yeah, I watched it on, on YouTube yeah. um, on my lunch hour slash in the background whilst I was working. Um, anyway, back oh. to... Sorry, one. one last thing. Uh, 
Dave Cormack texting him the day after he announced his left leaving Motherwell. Yeah. Big fan of that, by the way. Credit to yeah. him for that. Like, we've been critical at times, but credit to him for that. Yeah, good to see he actually um, was on it. And actually, speaking of texting, I did actually WhatsApp Alan Burrows um, on Monday to wish him, well, hope this first day went well and introduce the podcast, see if he wants to come on. Um, I did just check there whilst you were speaking. Um, I'm not being blue ticked yet, so probably going to be patched on that. But um, his WhatsApp does say CEO of... Aberdeen Football Club, so I did know it was a genuine person, not just just a random number. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. But you know, the, also the work he did for uh, he, he sort of allowed Gogs he basically um, as much access as he would like. So if you fancy it, Alan, if you fancy it, come on, give us a shout. Yeah. To be honest, let's be honest, he's probably got much more important things to sort out than coming on this podcast just now. Anyway. No, 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 no. We are the number one of anything in the world. Yeah, we'll let him know our thoughts on the next manager if he wants. Exactly. Well, yeah. let's let's hope for he gets it right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, as we said, back to on the field matters. It is a trip to Tanadice that awaits this weekend. After a haunting 4-0 defeat earlier in the season, what could possibly go wrong at the basket case club that is Dundee United just now? Um, joys of recording this on Tuesday as opposed to Monday night is that just as we press the big red button to record, Tony Ashgar followed Liam Fox out the exit door at Tanadice. I mean, Calm, talk about passing the banter baton from AB24 down to Dundee. I mean, what a mess that club is in just now. Banter baton was hard to get out there, wasn't it, Glenn? It was, yeah. <laughs> they are a state, and that always cheers me up, no matter how bad we are, uh, even though they give us an absolute spanking. Things are usually always worse down there right now, so that, that cheers me up a little bit. Uh, it means nothing with us though, because we all know we could still go up there and uh, up down there rather and embarrass ourselves like we did earlier in the season. But the good news is it probably means that Jim Goodwin won't be in the dugout come Saturday since they don't have a sporting director. So I'm happy with that because that was my biggest fear that they were going to get him in. And uh, despite the fact that he well kind of led us to a four 0 defeat. Down there, uh, it was going to be another one of those games for us. I was worried about that. Well, I was really disappointed you didn't go and say it was going to be another one of those nights. Um, um, But it could well be. Um, But of course, Barry Robson, former Dungeon United midfielder, going down to his former club will be in the dugout for Aberdeen. Will former Aberdeen striker Stevie Crawford be in the uh, dugout for Dungeon United this weekend? But of course, there's also talk uh, and speculation that former Aberdeen defender Charlie Mulgrew could well be in the dugout in some capacity as well. I mean, if we get beat by a management team of Crawford and Mulgrew, then fucking hell. I mean, I'm scared to get any optimism for this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a Dungeon United team, you know, without any confidence, fans in uproar. I mean, shades of... This is really has... Shades of us going to Easter Road had Liam Fox still been in charge. Mm. Um, whether they get an interim manager bounce, I'm not too sure. Um, because yeah, they've still got the backroom staff there, it's only the manager that's left. That is very odd. I mean, even more odd that they've been linked to Craig Levine, given how his last uh, his last gig went. Um, mm. but you know, it'll be bizarre, and it's even more bizarre that um. Uh, two players well two players that I remember watching now 
could potentially both be in a dugout. And now I'm starting to feel old. <laughs> feel old. Um, but yeah, I, I try not get to get ahead of myself. Surely we can't fuck this up. But the amount of times I've thought that this season already, uh, let alone last season as well, uh, I'm not, I've lost count. But you'd like to think, you know, we've come off the back of our victory against the good Livingston side and obviously beat Motherwell prior to that as well. Um, hopefully we can put two decent results together in a row. It's it's about time. If, we're, if we are going to qualify for Europe, let alone get in the top six, we need to be winning this game against a team that just got pumped 4-0 and run ragged by Eamon Brophy. So. I think, though, you're absolutely right. This is where we need to back up that win to Livingston. You know, I feel so unconfident in doing so, given the fact that we've only won two away games all season. But if we cannot go down to Dundee and pull in a performance that sees us come back up the road with three points, then I, I guess we don't really deserve that top six. We cannot be going down to bottom of the table, Dungeon United, and failing to at least take three points from Tanadice this season. Although, looking at some of the stats, in because for once I actually decided to do, be prepared for this episode, right. we normally do a lot of this off the cuff um, and just make our way through it. We've actually failed to score in our last four visits to Tanadice. Shit, um, So that's a good start. Um, we haven't won at Tanadice since 2016, when, of course, Simon Church scored the winner in a 1-0 victory. Um, and in fact, our last victory in Dundee as a whole um, in 90 minutes came in April 2019 uh, over the Dens Park Club of Dundee. So um, the City of Discovery has not been a good hunting ground for us in recent years, but certainly the home of the... Uh, yo-yoing footballing clubs because if one of them is not in the championship the other one is yeah basically and maybe they'll both be in it next season uh, with any luck given how bad our trips to Dundee have been lately yeah. um, I mean it, it's it's I'm trying to think of the last time that we had a decent run I mean the last one I could think of is the three results under Stephen Glass where he fought the dogs <laughs> back with uh, Hearts, Hibs and Rangers, not necessarily in that order. Does our League Cup campaign not count? No, it doesn't, especially uh, given how that crashed and burned that hand in as well. I mean, we need to start putting it together now if we're going to uh, have any chance. I remember last season thinking, oh, we're still in with a chance of sneaking at the top six. Basically, well, it was until the last day and then... So fingers crossed, we we really need to put a decent run together, starting with backing that game up against Livingston, and not hope, but we don't go down there complacently. Given how bad they've been, look to compile the fucking misery instead, and give them another tanking, and have that in their mind about what they did to us last uh, earlier in the season, how embarrassing that was. Yeah, and I think you know the point that you make as well that the fact that last season it went down to that last day, and we we're at home to Ross County with our fate in our own hands and we still didn't do that. Got to remember that this time, that our last game before the split is a home game against Rangers. Now, as one of the Celtic fans at work did tell me, potentially could be the weekend that we end their title hopes. So, I mean, you could couple that with us getting into the top six and ending their title hopes. 
I mean, recipe for a great weekend, but also a recipe for a complete fucking disaster. And we know which of the two we're likely to choose on that. But of course, there is a lot to play for between now and then for for both uh, when in the lead up to that. Absolutely. And, you know, as much as I would like to, um, I, or as much as I would begrudge, you know, earning Celtic the title a little bit, it would be funny at the time. Um, but we hopefully we're, it's not going to come down to that because... You know, remember how the last time we played them at Pataudry went, yeah. uh, essentially. So we need to start picking up results in, in games like this, uh, probably away at Ross County when that comes around too. Yeah. I think the fact that, that game is at Pataudry against Rangers gives us a big hand, however, given you know that's when we actually seem to turn up against them. But start getting points on the board now, follow that up. And if Barry Robson wants to be Aberdeen manager as well, no, you know, make a case for it, mate. Gub, yeah, and, and let's get going, baby. And if you want to make a case to be permanent Aberdeen manager, which if you want to believe the paper talks is that is what is Barry Robson is planning to do to Alan Burrows is put his case forward, would be to start winning a couple of games away from home because his predecessors uh, in Goodwin and Glass have failed to do that um, of, of any note. And I guess, how much bearing do you think that last trip to Tandice has on this game in terms of the fact, obviously we're under different stewardship as are Dungeon United, of course, but mentally maybe for the players, do you think they're maybe a little bit scarred by it or going down to Dundee this weekend with a point to prove? From what we've seen of Aberdeen players going on the road lately, <laughs> you'd be more inclined to think they'd be scarred. However, mm. I would hope that they can use it as fuel uh, and try and get them back for it, essentially. Don't care if we don't win 4-0, if we win 1-0 off of Duke's backside, I'm absolutely happy with it. But they should be using it as fuel. I think about the embarrassment that that, that was, you know, a massive away following. Uh, obviously, we'll be backed by a, a good one this time as well. Um, Minus the shed, of course. Yeah, bastards. Um, but you'd like to think they'll be out to get revenge and hopefully we'll be able to serve that up. And the good news is we won't have Lee Sharp in the dugout. So we've got every chance you'd like to think. Yeah, exactly. And of course, um, an opportunity to put a potential nail in the coffin of Dundee United's premiership future would also be an added bonus to making up to the fans um, for that disappointment that we had earlier in the season. How do you feel then, Callum, we line up to approach this game we spoke about the back four already earlier in the episode of course looking at the back of the Livingston game I personally don't see us changing a back the back four going into this game because if it ain't broke don't fix it um, I think as well given the fact that they recorded a clean sheet as well the weekend it would be disappointing to see it broken up again I probably do agree with the point you made earlier the only change out of that back four likely would be to come in that left back area as much as it's a shame for Jack McKenzie but around the rest of the team I I wouldn't be opposed to seeing the same starting 11 um, from that Livingston game No I would I would probably prefer if we did see the exact same starting 11 and if there is one change I would only probably like to see Liam Scales of, of the other options at left back come in uh, for Jack McKenzie but I'd be very happy to see the same starting 11 go uh, as you said if it ain't broke, don't fix it. On off the back of a clean sheet, their confidence 
must be high. Uh, you know, they certainly enjoyed themselves at Bongo's Bingo, uh, deservedly so. So, mm-hmm. um, hopefully, and, and there seems to be a real partnership forming between the two centre backs as well. So, especially don't break them two up. Yeah, although judging by the videos from Bongo's Bingo, I think Liam Skills could potentially still be nursing a huge hangover. Possibly. Um, well, on Tuesday, maybe they'll clear by match day. But if we do go the same starting 11, I think predictable um, the changes will be made. Marley Watkins, Hayden Coulson, Johnny Hayes, because that seems to be the way that Barry Robson likes to make the changes. Um, I think if you're Dylan Mercandi and Patrick Mislovich, you must be wondering what the hell you're doing in Aberdeen just now, um, apart from training at Cormac Park. Yeah, essentially, I mean... Especially the Mercandi one, considering that was brought in under Robson's, but I don't know how much you know he had to do with it mm. as well, but he was the man in charge at the time anyway. Uh, Not like we needed sorry. another winger. feel sorry for Paddy, to be honest. Uh, coming over all the way from Slovenia, uh, and he's barely kicked the ball for us. feel sorry for him. Yeah, although I did see obviously a discussion online today as well about the fact that Mislovic is maybe with a view to next season, of course, maybe also anticipating Jurgen Klopp being a knob again and recalling Leighton Clarkson in January and that's why he was brought in, of course, that recall didn't happen and and Leighton's got that position so he's got the jersey and it's up to, to Patrick to, to win it off of him. But um, yeah, we're not exactly seeing what we could potentially be getting next season just now. Yeah, I think so. And um, I mean, yeah, we do obviously have that option to buy for Mislovic and, you know, coming from, uh, uh, you know, the other side of Europe at such a young age, probably difficult for him. Um, but, you know, certainly from that that, that compilation we saw on, on YouTube where he signed, uh, mm. there's something there. So if it is with you for next season, that, that that's fine. Uh, absolutely fine. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll get some action at some point. Uh, at the end of the season yeah well uh, certainly if we end up in the the bottom six we might see oh, uh, play him every him. week yeah like we saw obviously with Dante Polvara featuring last season in some of the dead rubber games um, it'll obviously be a chance there but with the greatest respect in that sense then I hope we don't see him because we're means we're in the top six and playing for European football um, I've spoken about how the last game at Tandice might affect the players how do you think the current situation at um Dungeon United might affect our players because obviously there's been a couple of departures as we've mentioned, Tony Ashgar and Liam Fox. The, the fan um, disgruntlement towards this game seemed to be mm. pretty evident with protests being planned, boycotts also being rumoured as well. I guess it's just a case of blocking out that sort of noise and just going down and focusing on our own job, but is there a risk that we do kind of get caught up in the, in the noise of the occasion with what has been going on at at, at the club noise at Tannadice what that doesn't <laughs> sound right um, I don't know I, I you, they'll be they'll, if someone asks they'll be blocking it out won't they but it's obviously yeah. hard not to uh, not to pay any sort of attention if anything you'd like to think let's compile the misery again uh, for them for, for them all and you know also probably play into the fact that if things aren't going Dundee United's way after sort of 10, 20 minutes, half an hour, the fans will probably start to turn on the, the ones that do turn up and that are there uh, if they've not already at that point. So um, hopefully if they are going to do, do anything along those lines, I hope we play into that kind of thing and hopefully that'll work in our favour. Uh, we'd like to think so anyway. 
Yeah, and hopefully Mark Birgitte or Jack Newman in goals are feeling awfully generous as they have the last two weeks and gift us a couple of goals uh, and don't decide to finally produce a worldly performance. But yeah, I I think, you know, this is a United side vulnerable. It probably goes back to the point when teams were coming up against us in the, the latter stages of Jim Goodwin's time. Teams were looking forward to face us. Of course, I know Liam Fox is, has departed, but as I said, with the backroom staff, that Liam Fox had still there. I just wonder how much vulnerability is still around that Dungeon United squad mentally as well. You know, we've spoken about on the podcast as well how how weak we are mentally when we go 1-0 down in terms of getting back into a game. I, I do think that first goal on Saturday night is going to be huge. Uh, and I really think if we can get it, it could be a really horrible night for Dungeon United. And likewise, if Dungeon United get, get it, could be another horrible mm. trip to Dundee for the, those Dons fans that once again have near enough sold out the away the, the away end. Uh, still with plenty of time before then as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, whenever we go 1-0 down, I, well, that's it for me. I just think, well, we're never going to come back into this. Uh, for some reason, it seems to be Aberdeen football, the only team where that's the case. Don't know why, but here we are. There never seems to be any sort of heroic comebacks. Um, so, yeah, first goal mightily important, especially with the added fact that Dundee United fans will be even more raging than they already are, and that could then yeah. work in our favour if, if that sort of energy works its way onto the park, and and you know force it, force more errors in the Dundee United uh, team. But all of this, of course, still dependent on uh, our players not being shite bags when they're not playing at Petaudry. So we'll soon find out. Yeah, lots to look forward to, lots to find out. Um, I suppose characteristics and, and mental uh, ability of our squad as well as the United squad hopefully our squad comes out the better and stronger and we're speaking once again next week on the podcast about three points and more positivity around Pataudry um, of course with the fact that we won't play next weekend as well after this because um, we were shite bags in the Scottish Cup um, so it would be good just to keep that that little bit of momentum going um, before, of course, the upcoming international break that, that comes at the, the end of the month as well. But Calm, good to have you back on the podcast um, and good to talk about a win. And let's hope that continues next week as well. Fingers crossed. Um, before I give my signature sign off, link will be in the description for my Twitch where I've been attempting to do better than Jim Goodwin had been uh, with Aberdeen on Football Manager so make sure to follow me there even if you're not going to uh, ball and tune in it'd just, it'd just be nice wouldn't it but uh, I suppose that's all that left to say Glenn go on you I missed it